is Camilla and you're listening to The Cat's Whisker, a time machine for all those who love rock and roll and want to know everything about it. People, stories and the music that changed the world. In a few words, it doesn't matter whether you've lived through those years or just like me, you've always wondered what it was like. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. So, let's roll! The first time I've heard about rock and roll, I knew it was going to change my life. Well, I mean, I didn't exactly know what was going to happen to me, but I felt that special electric energy that it's hard to explain, but you know it's there. You can see it in films when the camera lingers on a movement for a longer time than expected. You know that that specific thing the director is randomly showing you is going to become essential for the plot twist. And let's be honest, the premises for my story weren't even that catchy. I was born in Italy and lived my whole life in a sleepy, tiny, minuscule village in the countryside. No one talked about rock and roll, no one listened to rock and roll. It was like the fight club of rock and roll in a way. Very sad, I know. I started playing the piano when I was five, but I wouldn't consider Twinkle Twinkle Little Star a very good song to be introduced to rock and roll with. The first times I've heard of it was during Christmas time. Jingle Bell Rock was the first song I've ever sang in English. Couldn't understand a word of what I was saying, but I seemed pretty confident anyway. And I loved rocking around the Christmas tree. It made me want to play the guitar. Not long after, one day, I was going through my history book and saw in one of the small paragraphs no one ever reads at the bottom of a page, the word rock and roll. It was basically two lines about the first ever important rock and roll song. It was 1954 and the song was Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and the Comets. Now, I don't know what Bill Haley and the Comets were doing in an Italian elementary school book, but I was hooked. But if this was my first ever rock and roll song, I've been wondering, what was the first rock and roll song for the world? As it turns out, I'm not the only person in the world that actually thought about this. Actually, I think this has been in the mind of critics for a very long time. And since I ain't no music critic or professional whatsoever, but only an Italian girl that loves rock and roll so much that literally moved to another country because of it, I'll give you my unsolicited opinion while we figure this out together. First of all, I will tell you that Rock Around the Clock is not the first rock and roll song ever published. Yes, you heard it right. My school book was lying. I wonder how many other things it lied to me about. Anyway, to complete my quest, I had to ask myself, what is rock and roll? The term rock and roll was first used in the 17th century in maritime jargon to describe the rhythmic motion of a ship in the sea. But as it usually happens, it didn't take long for the expression to be used in other contexts. And by other contexts, I obviously mean a metaphor for sex. Or dance, as it would mostly become later on. And it's the 1920s when it becomes a widely accepted term for both, even if mainly for dancing. Depending on how perverted the listener is, I guess. And that's how we're going to find it mentioned in songs among the first, the Trixie Smith's 1922 blues song, My Man Rocks Me with One Steady Roll. 
The words rock and roll appear sometimes even together in many songs, even in the late 20s and early 30s. But they don't have that sound that we all know and love yet. And that's when I asked myself, what makes a rock and roll song a rock and roll song? I feel there are different components to it. I mean, what are those things that when you're listening to a song make you say, oh yeah, that's rock and roll? There are a few, so buckle up. First of all, backbeat. In the past in music, the first and the third beats were considered the strong ones. So quite literally, the music was changing when backbeat was introduced. The Merriam-Webster dictionary says that backbeat is a steady pronounced rhythm stressing the second and the fourth beats of a four beat measure. Okay, okay, so essentially this. element to consider is the 12 bar blues, which is probably the most famous chord progression in popular music. If we want to be technical, it just means four bars of one chord, two bars of the second, and then back to two of the first, two of a third, and then back to two of the first. But if we don't want to be technical, that's all you need to know. It originates from blues and it sounds just like this. that even if you're not a musician you've heard this chord progression many many times in many many songs and that's how famous and important that is something else that we should consider when talking about rock and roll is the themes essentially what the songs talked about clearly we have to take into account the years when this genre developed the most and then exploded it was right after the war and it was a moment when finally the teenage years were actually a separate age and not just a pre-adulthood. It's in fact safe to say that the ones living right after World War II were probably the first generation of teenagers in the way we perceive them today. They wanted to be different, they wanted to be free and to have a voice. Rock and roll gave them one. Love, sex, freedom, youth and rebellion against the establishment were definitely rock and roll favourites. That's why some great songs like the 1945 record Strange Things Happening Every Day by the amazing sister Rosetta Tharp can only partially be considered one of the first rock and roll songs. But let's dig a little bit deeper. In order to understand rock and roll, it is essential to grasp the meaning of it, who made it possible and where it came from. The roots of rock and roll are complex. It comes from a lot of different backgrounds. Country, swing, jazz, gospel, jump blues, boogie woogie, doo-wop, and most of all, blues and rhythm and blues. Some say that rock and roll was like blues, only with happy themes. And many musicians of the early 50s said that at the end of the day, rock and roll was up-tempo rhythm and blues. 
Oh, rhythm and blues. That's a term that was used by the music industry to replace in 1949 the name race music. That was the label given to all those records performed by and destined to the African-American public. Just like today, Billboard was the voice behind the charts. And during those years of racial segregation, even the charts were kept separated. The rhythm and blues chart populated by most of the songs that will then become rock and roll was divided from the standard chart and dedicated only to black music. And one of the artists of the rhythm and blues scene that would write the first single in music history to sell more than one million copies was a man called Fats Domino. That record was his first single and will definitely shape rock and roll history. It was December 1949 and the song was called The Fat Man. But let's not forget one of the most important elements in rock and roll, one of my favorite items on the list, the guitar, or better, the distorted guitar. <laughs> An overdriven guitar was already present in the song Rock A While by Gory Carter in 1941, but the first record featuring a distorted guitar playing 12-bar blues during the whole track is the one that was later considered the first rock and roll song ever made. Rocket 88 by Jackie Branston and his Delta Cats. The band was actually called Ike Turner and the Kings of Rhythm, but since Branson was the singer, he got the credit. Yes, and I'm talking about the Ike Turner that years later would marry Tina Turner and be the other half of the duo Ike and Tina Turner. But moving back to 1951 again, Turner was the pianist on Rocket 88. The song was recorded for Chess Records in Memphis, Tennessee, and there are, amongst others, two things that make this record very very interesting. To be able to record in one of the few studios present at that time in the US, the band had to travel all the way from Mississippi to Memphis, Tennessee. Now imagine being on your way to record one of your first singles and while you are in the car you get a flat tire. Oh and the guitar amplifier falls off the car boot bursting its woofer and its cone. I'd probably cry my eyes out and curse in every language known to humans. But Ike Turner's band did something else. Something more productive, I'd say. Because maybe they cursed just like I would, but not only. To keep the cone in place and still use the amp, they literally shoved paper and newspapers inside it. And when they finally switched the amp on, they didn't know it, but that would create a new sound, never heard before on record. What the guitar sounds like is essential in rock and roll. It needs to sound distorted. Distortion happens when a guitar amp is pushed to its limits or when you break it, just like in this case. And as a result, the sound will be rough, dirty, edgy. And that's how rock and roll was after in order to be different from any other thing present on the music scene. Although obviously not all rock and roll songs feature a guitar or a distorted guitar, this edgy new sound was definitely what made this genre something completely different and new. In fact, even if a song like Rocket 88 is now considered by many the first rock and roll song, back then, that wasn't the intention. Now, just like I said before, there are two elements that contributed to the success of this song. One was the distorted guitar played by Willie Kizit, and the second was the song's producer, Sam Phillips. 
a white man that in the early 50s decided to discover and produce rhythm and blues musicians. A man that saw an opportunity in that new genre. And a man that, after hearing the sound of the guitar in Rocket 88, said, the more unconventional it sounds, the more interested I am in it. With the money earned from Rocket 88, Sam Phillips was able to found his own label and studio, Sun Records and the Sun Studio. Sam Phillips would soon become one of the first people to break race barriers in music history and be, at the time, the label that would produce the most rock and roll records. After listening for a very long time to black musicians, he thought that that music was revolutionary and that the world should hear it. He knew, though, that to have a major breakthrough and make that sound popular, he needed a white person with a black sound that would allow the records to be played on white airways. And that's how Phillips discovered and produced the first records made by people like Elvis Presley, Carl Perkins, Roy Orbison, Johnny Cash and Jerry Lee Lewis. Even if many of these songs did actually raise controversy, these people were white and could be featured on white stations and standard music charts. And they instantly became hits. And that's why Rock Around the Clock by Bill Haley and the Comets is surely not the first of its genre but it was the first one to reach number one in the standard US charts. Rock and roll was growing fast and steady, but the best was yet to come. At the beginning, many white artists, Elvis especially, would cover rhythm and blues songs like That's Alright, originally by Arthur Crudup, or Hound Dog by Big Mama Thornton, making them major hits. It was also because of DJ Alan Freed that the term rock and roll became popular in the way we know it today. On his radio program he played segregated music since the early 50s and organized the first rock and roll concert where both black and white people could enjoy music together. And in 1955 Billboard created a new way to rank music that merged the before separated categories, best sellers in store, most played by jockeys, most played on jukeboxes into one chart, the Billboard Top 100, later renamed Hot 100. In the same 1955, one artist was about to record his first hit, establishing guitar as the primary instrument in rock and roll. That artist was Chuck Berry and the song was Maybelline. I will never be able to stress enough how important Chuck Berry, his music, his style and showmanship and his legacy have been. He influenced so many artists like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones that started their careers covering his songs. It was then thanks to Carl Perkins' Blue Switch Shoes that a white rock and roll artist managed to write an original hit. I just really want to point out that I'm not saying that before them white people didn't listen to rhythm and blues, because they were. But it is undeniable that rock and roll properly developed when it became mainstream. After 1955, rock and roll music definitely exploded in the standard charts. But most of all, the now mixed rhythm and blues charts were populated by, besides the ones already mentioned, new names like Little Richard, Bo Diddley, Buddy Holly, Eddie Cochran, the Everly Brothers and many more. So did we find out what we were looking for? Probably not. It's nearly impossible trying to choose just one song to be the first rock and roll record and if I have to be honest I already knew I was going to fail so I just did it for the journey 
and the opportunity to play amazing songs that help me to set the mood for the rest of this podcast. A lot of music, a lot of stories, a lot of passion and no professionality whatsoever. So if you want to discover everything about the best music genre and phenomenon to ever exist, stick with me. I have loads of stories to tell and great music to play. And I know this is not very vintage of me, but you can follow me on Instagram at the Cat's Whisker podcast and on TikTok at the Cat's Whisker, where I'll keep the rock and roll theme going by playing tunes and sharing my love for the 50s and 60s. I'm Camilla. See you next time. Ciao.